Today we are, are, are in John 15. John chapter 15, the first 11 verses of the Gospel of John. And if, and if, you're, if, you're, if you're new with us, what we're doing is we're walking through the Gospel of John. And, uh, and so we're sort of taking a, a, a deep dive at the Gospel of John. And, and you know, it's a great way to study the Bible. Uh, many of us, we start, start in Genesis, and we maybe make it through Genesis, and we're probably about a couple of chapters in Exodus, and then we sort of bail out. And we say, oh, give me something good, or give me something easy to read, and all these names. Well, you know what? One of the ways to study the Bible is if you focus on a core book, and that core book then opens up the whole canon of Scripture. Because there's one major, what we call a meta-narrative, right? There's one major story of, of the Bible, Right? And it doesn't go always in chronological order. And so I like to say the Bible is like a library, right? But there's one major narrative that, first of all, God created everything to be good. God, everything was good, that we were all in perfect relationship with each other. Can you imagine that? That's awesome, right? We, we, we all had a good understanding of ourselves, of like who we are. We all had a purpose, and the purpose is to, is to work in this garden that God has set up. Right? God, God, God provides. We have this great relationship with, with, with a creation where we can actually work in the garden. And you know what? Things produced. Like you didn't have any bad meetings or, or frustrations at work or tech issues. That everything worked. Everything was, was in order. And then something happened where God's good plan, right? And then we wanted to be God. That as humans, we, we didn't like our, our place of dependence, and we wanted our own independence, right? We think, hey, you know what? I can be God, and so that's called the fall. And so since from Genesis 3 all along, it's like, okay, wait a second. God's plan, everything's messed up. And we let the humans run sort of a God-ordained world. We are where we are. But God didn't leave us like that. God heard our cries. God made a, a covenant with a people and said, through this people, that you're going to be light to the world. And through this, through this people, I'm going to bring a savior, a king. He's going to be the Messiah. And he does that. It's Jesus. Who's Jesus? God's very own son. Into the world to restore it and to redeem it and to put everything back together. Until one day that he's going to come back and everything's going to be. There's never, never going to be no more tears, it says. That's going to be a great day. That's going to be an outstanding day. And I always find that helpful because I say, Lord, yeah, I know you're coming. And I know you've done some works. But, man, I'm living in this world and it's, it's messed up. It's crazy. And Jesus knew that. Jesus knew that his disciples, that, that what's going to happen with the disciples is that they're going to see some things that are going to just make them sort of cringe and, and sort of say, who is this man? We've been following him. We, we, we gave him our lives. But, but, but what is happening? It seems like the, the Romans are winning. And, and so Jesus, we're in the middle of, of, of what they call the upper room discourse. And they name it about a place, the upper room. This is where Jesus takes his, his disciples in John 13, now they want to share the last meal together. That's what we call the Last Supper. And Jesus washes their feet, and after washing their feet, he begins to teach them. And his teaching is really a sense of, it's a teaching of equipping, of preparing his disciples for what is going to happen. And so John 14 is all about going and coming. He says, you know what? I'm not going to be here for a while. I'm going to leave, but don't worry about it. I'm coming back. 
And you should be happy I'm leaving. And you, and, and you should wait. I'm going to come back. Don't worry about I'm going to, I'm preparing you. And in John 15, it's more about how do we live with Christ? How do we, how do we have a relationship with him? How, how, do we, how do we live with him when he's not present and the world around us is falling apart? How do we live with him? Can we? Or is it all up to us that we just got to try harder, no more? Or is that just passive, like, I'll just wait for God to work? But what is, how do we do that? And so he's prepared the ones he loves how to live with him when he's gone. And so he uses a metaphor. Vine and branches, very popular, very, I love the way Jesus teaches, right? Very understandable. This is what he says. And I would say that John 15 is, is one of the core passages of the, of the Christian life. Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. Uh, now, up until this point, Jesus has Six times has talked about I am. The Gospel of John is full of these, what they call I am. Of Jesus making these self-disclosures, right? I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the bread of life. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the door. Right? I am the light of the world. And here he says, it's number seven, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that's thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask Whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Gracious God, I just ask as we, as we get into this season, as we are seeing you, how you are pre preparing your disciples to live in this world I pray, God, that, 
that you allow for us to understand what it means to remain, that you would use me in any way, Lord, as your vessel, as you have forgiven me of my sins, Lord, I just ask that my life would be used for you at this moment, that what you want to share and what you want to say, the words of encouragement, Lord, the words of conviction, Lord, that you would bring them to us. We trust your Holy Spirit as a work. We ask all this in his name. Amen. Jesus talks about how there, there's a vine and there's, there are branches and there's a gardener. How his father is this gardener and he goes and he, and he cuts back and he cuts off. And, he, and then he talks about how in verse 4 it says, remain in me as I remain in you. And, so he, and it's really the focus, the focal verse of this whole section here. Remain in me as I remain in you. Remain in me as I remain in you. But when I think about the word remain, I think about the image of remainings, of what's left. Right? We, we, we take these tours and we go and see, that here's what's left. Here's what used to be. But now, here's what's left. I remember when I was in Israel, one of my, we're on this tour, and one of my friends said, I cannot see one more remaining. I will throw up. I said, well, I sort of just imagine what it used to be like. He's like, I can't take one more rock. You know, and we, and we go, and you have to have a tour guide to say, hey, well, hey, here is what it used to be. And let me tell you about people's lives and, and, this, is what it, and this is how it was built and this is what it's constructed and, and, and here's its purpose. And as I hear Jesus' words, remain in me as I remain in you, I can't help but think about remainings. Most of us are just remainings. We're just hanging on. Hoping that something will change. You know, I, I call it the CPRs. You know, we're we're got COVID and everything around COVID, right? Mandates and no mandates, mask and no mask, and what variant now and how do we do this? And am I vaccinated? Next. And and many of you lost friends over this, and many of you all, I mean it's just just everything with COVID, more COVID, more COVID. Then, then throw on top of that politics, right? Are we for freedom or not for freedom, right? Who are we going to vote for? Oh, I didn't win. I can't wait. All the stuff, politics. Then you talk about the racial issue. Through all that. Oh, we're divided, black and white, and, and, and all this great divide. And then we throw on top of that gender and sexuality. Can you pick your gender is it given to you? All sorts of things like that. And to the point that what we're just exhausted and we just want to remain in. And on top of that, what we have is we're living in a culture and a time where more and more people are professing no faith. No faith. And, and we're living in this season, it's called deconstruction. Now, now, we all know what sort of construction is, right? You sort of build, 
Deconstruction is tearing down. Now, some deconstruction is actually pretty good, right? Many of you have renovated the space, maybe. You bought a house and you renovated it. That's sort of deconstruction of, of how things were. And you're going to recon- reconfigure. You're going to renovate. But when we think about deconstruction, most folks, especially the younger, the 30-somethings and below, who were raised in church, have sort of walked away. And, and part of it is, is that, you know what, they're, they're, they're rebelling. And some of us are, are sort of rebelling against the culture of the church. I just don't like how I was raised in that church. I, I just didn't, I don't like the culture. It just seemed very closed because, because you know what? I have questions of faith and, and there was no room for that. Or I was married and I got divorced and, and they sort of kicked me out. Or you know, when I was a very hard time, they sort of said, just pick it up and believe more. And I never did. I, I remember the president of Princeton Seminary where I attended, I remember we had this gathering and I didn't know what to do with these words. He said, hey, you know, when, when you guys come here, everybody's here, right? All the students, when you're here, this is what we're going to do. We're going to take your faith and what, what we're going to do is we're going to tear it apart and then we're going to put it back together. And I want to say, no, you didn't. You tore it apart and you didn't put it back together. You know who put it back together? High school kids. My church in Seattle put it back together. But but deconstruction, a lot of people are walking away from the church. They're like, I just don't like the culture. I don't want the culture. You know, there's something good about that, right? That then we can look at and say, you know what? Hey, we need to change some things. We need, we need, to, we need to, to make it more accessible. That, that, yeah, you know what? We've been focused maybe on, on one race, and we need to open up. I mean, there's some things about that. And then there's deconstruction around beliefs, about the essential beliefs that, you know what? I don't, I don't really believe that, that, that God's word is really God's word. And I, I struggle with that, and I don't believe in the resurrection. And I don't, I don't believe that there's a heaven and there's a hell. I don't believe there's actually sin. And so there's some, some of these parts of, of deconstruction. It's pretty, pretty tough. And part of it is because rarely have we dug deep in our beliefs. You know, my son's going off to college, and, and so these, you know, being a senior in high school, you have these rare moments to, hey, hey, good. And so he was, he was eating, and so I, I just bombarded him. He had, he's trapped, right? He couldn't. He was eating food. And I said, hey, man, you know, you're going to go off to school, and let's sort of talk about this. Um, you, know, you know, let's talk about the beliefs. You know, we, we got about maybe a minute into the conversation. That's about it. But it started to say, hey, you got to know people are going to ask you, why do you believe what, what you believe? And, and as you, are you believing just because me? Are you believing it? Or the Bible? Are you believe that this is truth? Are you believing because of culture? And we all go through this phase, right? We all go through this phase. And usually what happens is something happens in our lives, and, and then we get, we, so we begin to deconstruct it. And sometimes it's not put back together. But one of the most dangerous things in our culture today is it's pretty cool. It, there's, there's, there's a growing movement. It's actually pretty cool to say, you know what? I used to be a Christian. And, and for those of you who, who were in church, right, back in the, back in the, 
well, 90s or so, or 2000s, all your folks who were like your heroes, many of them were like, man, yeah. Uh. So part of it is like, it's, it's actually crueler to deconstruct. And I, I hear this word, Jesus saying, no, no, remain in me. Remain in me. And so, so we have all of this, this deconstruction. We've got COVID, right? We've got politics. We've got, we got sex and gender and all this stuff. And I just see folks saying, I'm just a remainings. Jesus says to remain in me as I remain in you. And usually when we, when, when we see this verse, what happens is, and we say, oh, it's up to me, that, that, that if, I, if I do everything I can to, to remain in Jesus, then he will remain in me. And we read it as conditional. It's not conditional. To, to remain in me as, as I remain in you, this is not Conditional. Jesus' presence in our life is not conditioned upon how I'm doing with my life. It's a very important, you, you gotta, I know you're really excited about it, but it's very important that, that, that hey, you know, I'm choosing to remain. No, what Jesus says that, that, that when, we, when he comes into our life, what, that, that he comes into our life. That he says, I'm moving in. And, and, and as I, but the more that you remain in me, the more you will experience the life with me. Parker Palmer has this, uh, in his book, he, he talks about farmers in the Midwest. And they had to prepare for blizzards. What they said was that a farmer in the Midwest, what they do is what the first blizzard, they would take, they would take a, a rope, they, they would take a rope, there it goes, they would take a rope and they would tie it to the barn's door. And then they, then they would tie the rest around them and they would, they would go out and work in, the, work in the field. And when the blizzard came, they knew how to get back to the barn. And... The situation right now is, is that in the culture we're living is, is that people aren't tethered to anything. And it's a great question to say that, that, that what, what's the rope around us? And, and, and when we're, and we're lost in the blizzard, the blizzard of our current culture, and we're lost in how we, what is actually connected to. Jesus says that. Remain in me as I remain in you. That, that he's saying is that the word remain, I would say, is sort of, I call it, it's broken into three different D's. It's dwelling. It's about making decisions. It's about dependence. The, the, the Greek word for remain has a sense of abiding. Some of your translations say abide, right? Abide. And what it means is, is to make home. And what Jesus says, here's what I want you. I want you to make home with me as I've made home in you. And what a great picture, right? Like Jesus like, hey, 
So disciples, he's not speaking to those who have not yet professed faith in Christ. He's speaking to people who are walking with Jesus, his beloved ones. He's saying, hey, listen, I have made a home in you. I mean, and, and I, yeah, I, I've come in, I've sort of, I've sort of set up, I, I got my room, right? I got my chair, I got my, t- I, I made a home and because I, I want to come and I, I'm living with you, this, this life, this life with you. And as I'm living life with you, I, I want you to, to live and make a home with me. And it really, it's this question of, of dipping or dwelling. I was at a conference several, several weeks ago, and this, this guy was talking about how he loved to make his wife tea. That's how I was her, her love language, and he loved to do that. And he said, he said, so there's two different ways to make tea, right? You can just get, get the hot water, and you, and you dip it, dip it, boom, here it is. Or you can let the, the tea bag sit in the water and let it just dwell. And he challenged us saying, hey, you know, most folks right now, we just like dip, dip a little Jesus. Right, right, right. We go in, we go out. And we go in and we go out. I, I, got, a, I got an hour, hour, maybe 30 minutes on Sunday, boom, I'm out. Versus this, this idea what Jesus is saying is, I don't want you to dip in me. I want you to dwell in me. I want to make you... I want you to make your home in me. I want you to relax in me. I want you to, I want to share life with you. And so part of us, what he's he's saying to his followers is, listen, even though I'm going to be gone, I live in you. I want you to not make your home in this world. I want you to make your home in me, to dwell in me. Dwell. The psalmist says, better is one day in your courts and a thousand elsewhere. I want you to soak in me. Not the political rants in me. I want you to dwell in me. Don't want you to bend. Dwell. Another translation says, make root in Jesus. The second thing is, I believe. Remain in me as I remain in you. It's about making decisions. Jesus says this, says, you know, if, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Now, this is a verse that has caused a lot of consternation. I have... I've, Pray for my dad to be healed, and he was not healed. I must not have been remaining. I, I must not have known the words or the right words. Right? I, I pray for my son and daughter to, to, to kick that addiction, but God never hears me. He hasn't heard from me. And so, and so we take this passage, and, and we've abused it, and it's actually 
led to more deconstruction of the faith than bringing people back to faith. So it's puzzling why Jesus would include this and in, in a word of encouraging and equipping. And it's actually, it is a promise that, that if you remain in me, if, if you dwell in me, and my words remain in you, and I think part of that is saying, making a decision for Jesus' words, for us to know them. That, that, that to, to make a decision, this is we do with our, with our weight and with our money, that we're actually, are we, are we making a decision to say, you know what, how am I going to know the words of Christ? And he's telling his disciples that how are you going to live in this world that's by dwelling in me, and also it's by a hearing and living and knowing my words. Later on, Jesus says that, 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 that you, that when you obey, when you keep my commands, then you're living in love, you're remaining in love. And so part of it is knowing that, you know, that am I loving God? Am, am I loving God with all my heart? And all my mind, and all my soul, and all my strength, right? It, it, where's my heart? What, what's pulling away from my heart? And they're saying, Lord, I, I need you to come dwell. And I, I'm making the choice that I want my heart to be after your heart. I want my mind to be your mind. I'm making a choice right now not to watch that and, and to dwell in your word. That as my soul, there is hurt and there is pain and there is anger and everything is wanting to pull me away from you, but I'm making a decision to actually remain in you. I remember my mother-in-law called me um, right after Hurricane Katrina. I was living in Houston. Stacey and Caleb and I were living in Houston. And, and Hurricane Katrina came. It was a Cat 5 and just wrecked havoc over New Orleans and Houston was a mess. And right after that, we had another hurricane come. And so everyone was leaving. I mean, everyone was just bailing. And my mother-in-law called me and she said, are you guys going to stay? I'm like, yes, we're going to stay. And she said, no, you're not. I said, I'm from Houston. Hey, we've been through hurricanes. I'm, I'm good with that. I said, by the way, your, your daughter, my wife has to work at the hospital, and so she's got to stay there. Well, you should leave. You got to leave. You got to bail. You got to bail. You got to bail. Leave. Like, no, I'm going to remain. And sometimes I know what's like that we say, I'm making this choice to remain. But you know what? Is it the right choice? Are you really going to deliver, God? Are you really going to keep your word? Are you really good? You dwell with him. You, we make decisions to remain. I love that though at times we may be shaken, and we are shaken, and we will be shaken, we say, I will not forsake you. Remain in me as I remain in you. Lastly, it's all about dependence. Jesus says that his father's a gardener, right? We're not. It's not our job and our role to go around and saying, I'm cutting you off. And you know what? Yeah, you got that issue. You need, I'm going to cut that off and you need to prune that. We're not the gardener. Nor are we the vine. 
the source of life. You know what he calls us? Branches. Right? After an ugly windstorm here, what do we do? We go around our yard and pick up branches, sticks. Jesus says that we are branches. He says, remain in me as I remain in you. That it's a relationship of dependence. That if, if a branch is not connected to its life source, it dies. And this is so, so humbling for us. To, to, to live this life of dependence because what Jesus says is remain in me as I remain in you. And what he's saying is that, listen, I have made my home in you. I, I'm dwelling in you, right? And I made a decision to come and, and live in you and, you, and, you've, and you're living in me. And it's not just a relationship of, of, of Jesus taking from us and taking from us and us taking from him, but it's actually receiving what he has for us. And what he's really telling his believers, like, listen, you're going to live in this world, and it's hard. But you're not the vine, and you're not the garden. You're a branch. And you got to stay connected to the vine. And it's this life that's so hard of dependence. Because all of our lives, what? We want to be independent. Self-made, self-starter, launched. We don't want to depend upon anyone for anything. But that's the world. That's not the life of Jesus. The life of Jesus is a life of dependence. Another translation says it's a life of being held. Of being held. Of remaining in me as I remain in you is actually the translation is remain in me as I hold you. Remain in me, the translation says, as you behold Christ, as you see his beauty and his wonder, as I hold you. As I hold you, and I think about a young baby, right? A baby just wrapped in how we hold it. And we say, it's so innocent. And I'm thinking, oh my goodness, that's how he wants his disciples to live. I want disciples to live as just completely being held by God. In Christ. which butts up against all of our issues of pride and control. It says, remain in me as I remain in you. Dwell in me, make your home in me as I make my home in you. Make decisions with me for this relationship And let me hold you. 
Let us pray. Gracious God, there's, there's so many things right now that, that, that we are holding, that we are holding on to. We're holding on to the past, we're holding on to the hurt, we're holding on to the pain, we're holding on to unanswered prayers, we're, we're holding on to so many things, but, but God, you ask us to let go and to behold you, to see your beauty, that you are true and that you are good. And it's, it's this life, Lord, of, of just patience, of, of just being held by you. Of you holding our life. Of, of us trusting that, that you're holding us and being held by you like a parent, a father, a mother, hold an infant. And this is how, Lord, it seems like you want us to go life. Just remaining in your love, soaking in your words, and being held by you. Lord, forgive us when we make the Christian faith sort of a microwave. We just go in and just want stuff and get out. But you want a relationship like a branch has with a vine. That, that when we are in that relationship, that then there's fruit and there's life. We're making decisions, Lord, for life. Our, our decisions we're making, are, are they for life in you? Our life in this world. Are we making a home for you? As you have trying to make a home within us? Are we dwelling with you? In this season, in this day, in this very moment, will you speak to us? Let's open our lives to you now. You know what we need? May we hear it? you love us. That's in this dwelling and in this society and in this dependence that then we can live in this world. That's how we can live, right, Lord? Remaining in you as you remain in us. Thank you.
We ask all this in Jesus' name and toss to pray by saying together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. Thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever.